Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God that engages us this day is the gospel lesson read previously. Thus far the text. Dear friends in Christ, you and I are asked many questions in life. Most of them are rather routine, ordinary questions, such as, did the Cardinals win last night? Or is it supposed to rain anymore today? Or what time do you expect to be back? These questions and others like them are rather routine and ordinary and don't have much of a serious impact on our lives. But then there are other questions, very serious questions, potentially life-changing questions, questions such as, will you marry me, or is it cancer, or is there a cure? Questions like that are certainly not routine and ordinary, and they potentially have life-changing implications. And yet, there is one question that rises above all other questions, even the serious questions we just mentioned. It is a question that must be faced by every human being and answered by every human being. It is a question that has eternal implications for all people. It is the question that Jesus poses to his disciples in the gospel lesson for today. Who do you say that I am? That is the ultimate question. In our gospel lesson for today, Jesus is with his disciples in Caesarea Philippi, way up in the northern region of Galilee. In fact, it's about 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee, right next to Mount Hermon, right next to the headwaters of the Jordan River. In fact, we think it is probably the northernmost point, most northern point from Jerusalem that Jesus and his disciples traveled during his three-year earthly ministry. And Caesarea Philippi was a pagan area. You can visit Caesarea Philippi today, and as you walk along the headwaters of the Jordan River, you are confronted by a large rock hill with niches or shelves carved into it. And in Jesus' day, those niches or shelves housed false gods. So people could come from all over the region and worship or pray to as many or as few of those false gods as they desired. And Caesarea Philippi was also the center for the worship of the false god Pan and all the disgusting practices that accompanied that pagan worship. And so it's in this context, it's in this setting, that Jesus poses the question to his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? In other words, what's the word on the street concerning my identity? And perhaps implied in that context is, am I just thought of as another one of those many false gods? And so the disciples respond, telling him that 
some say you are John the Baptist. And we know from elsewhere that Herod Antipas, the one who was responsible for the beheading of John the Baptist, wondered himself whether Jesus was in fact John the Baptist come back to life. Others thought he was Elijah, that great Old Testament prophet who did not taste of death, but rather was taken from this world in a fiery chariot and whirlwind. And still others thought that he might be Jeremiah or one of the other Old Testament prophets. But then Jesus asks his disciples the ultimate question. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Now it's important for us to realize that no matter how the disciples answered that question, it wasn't going to change who Jesus is. He is the only begotten Son of the Father who came into this world as the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, to defeat sin, death, and Satan forever. However the disciples answered that question, it wasn't going to change who he really is. And so this question is really one of, do you actually realize who I am? Do you actually recognize who I am? And Peter, as he did so often, was the first one to act. He spoke up for all the disciples and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The correct answer to the ultimate question. Now, we cannot come to this conclusion on our own. And Peter did not deduce this on his own. We and all human beings are perfectly incapable of doing that. In fact, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the natural person, in other words, the person by our very nature, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The answer to that ultimate question and faith and trust in that answer is something that has to be given to us by God. And that's why Jesus responded to Peter saying, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but rather my Father in heaven. The same is true for us. It was in our case the Holy Spirit who both revealed, made known to us, this answer to the ultimate question, and created faith in that answer to the ultimate question. For most of us, this occurred when we were very young, when the Holy Spirit worked through the water and word of baptism to both give us the answer to that ultimate question and work faith and trust in us in that answer to the ultimate question. And from that point on, all of our sin and all the guilt for our sin has been removed from us as far as the east is from the west, says the psalmist. And ever since that point, you and I have been, been made heirs to never-ending life in the presence of God and one another. To God belongs all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor for that. Almost exactly three years ago, 
some of us were reminded rather dramatically about what a privilege we have to share the ultimate question's answer with those who do not know it. It took place right here in this sanctuary during the opening school chapel service for the 2020-2021 academic year. All the children were gathered here seated in these pews, and during the chapel service, as the pastor was giving the message of the homily, one kindergarten girl, her first day here at St. Paul's, turned to her teacher and innocently asked the question, Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? It didn't take us long to realize that she was far from the only one asking this and other sim similar types of questions. And so it wasn't long before Pastor Wade and Pastor Kevin Thompson, who was here at, this at that time, and I met in my office. And we determined that we had to totally revamp our chapel schedule for that year to go back to the basics and address topics such as, who is God? What is sin? And yes, who is Jesus? As children of God, we have the privilege, but we also have the responsibility to share that answer of life's ultimate question with as many people as we possibly can, giving them the answer to that question that that little girl innocently asked that day, who is Jesus? But that little girl is just one example of what God has been doing in our midst, especially over the last three years. We have heard the accounts of how God has been working through children in our school, in our early childhood center, and in our Parents' Day Out program to engage, and in some cases, re-engage parents in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have heard the accounts of children going home and telling their parents what they learned about Jesus or about another Bible story that day. We have heard the accounts of parents, of children going home and singing Christian songs or hymns in their homes. We have heard the accounts of children asking their parents if they can pray before they eat dinner. And these accounts can be replicated dozens and dozens and dozens of times because of what God has done in our midst, especially during the last three years, following the completion of the Tell the Next Generation Ministry Expansion Campaign. Just stop to consider that before our new school was built, our enrollment in kindergarten through eighth grade was 151 students. Today, that enrollment stands at 213, a 41% increase. And the construction of that new school building behind me allowed our K through 8 all to be under one roof, opening up 50 additional spots in our early childhood center. Those spots were immediately filled, and today, we have a waiting list of approximately 200 children in our early childhood center. These are not numbers simply for the sake of numbers. These numbers represent children 
They represent families. Just stop to consider that before the construction of our new school, in the three years prior to the construction of our new school, there were 10 baptisms of children that could be directly attributed to our school, our early childhood center, or our Parents' Day Out program. In the three years after the construction of our school, that number has leaped up to 41. 41 baptisms. Or stop to consider that in the three years prior to the construction of our school, there were 32 adult confirmations. In the three years following the construction of our school, that number has more than doubled to 74 confirmations. Christ is doing exactly what he promised to do in our gospel lesson for today. He is building his church upon the rock, upon the rock of that confession that Peter made. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The correct answer to life's ultimate question. But now, as people who have been blessed with the answer to life's ultimate question and with faith and trust in that ultimate question's answer, we as a congregation face another question. What will we do at this point in time? How will we respond in light of all that God has done in our midst, especially over these past few years? Well, certainly in addition to giving him all the thanks, all the praise, and all the glory that is so rightly due to him, I know that I hope, and many others here at St. Paul's hope and pray, that we will step out in faith and trust and expand our ministry facilities once again, allowing God to continue to do even more of his wonders in our midst through the tell of the wonders he has done ministry expansion campaign so that more children might attend our school, so that more children might attend our vacation Bible school, so that our Living Stone service might have a more appropriate and reverent environment in which to take place, so that more from the community might connect with us coming onto our campus and utilizing our facilities so that more and more of our children might grow in the gifts that God has given to them in the areas of music and drama and the fine arts and athletics. Just as God moved in our forefathers to construct what became known as the 1938 church on the heels of a worldwide economic depression, and just as he moved in us several years ago, to construct a $10.2 million school right in the midst of a worldwide pandemic, the likes of which the world had not seen for a hundred years. So it is my prayer that we will move up in faith and trust once again so that we can tell even more people the wonders that he has done, especially through his son, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the question is before you now, and it is my prayer that as a congregation, our response will be a strong and resounding yes. 
May God so grant it, for Jesus' sake. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in this one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen.